part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Uh, open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking through uh, verses 18 through uh, 25 through the end of the chapter. And if you were here last week, it's going to seem a little bit repetitive uh, because Peter's not done with this yet. We said, we said last week that really submission isn't our long suit. It's not really what we do well. I've never found anybody that really said, you know, submitting is just so easy for me. Um, it's one of those things that we were even ingrained as children for the most part to stick up for ourselves. And how many of y'all were taught, male or female, by dad or by mom, you fight for yourself? And you were kind of, maybe it wasn't in those words, but you were kind of taught to have this spirit that don't you let people tell you what to do. And that was kind of almost kind of bred into our way of thinking that we're not just to be conformed, but that we're actually to go out there and, and kind of be fighters. Well, then we come upon a passage that says that, you know, the word submit. And really not just submit to one person, but really to, to honor and submit to all authorities that God has placed in our life. And so that means that, uh, guys, when you're out there on the soccer field, if you're out there on the football field, if you're out there doing this and the other, that that guy in the, the black and white stripes, he's the authority. And even as he would make a bad call, that we submit to that. And that's really hard sometimes. I mean, go ask the New Orleans Saints. They will tell you it's really hard to submit when somebody has blown a call that they have the authority over you. It's hard in marriage. I'm really proud to say that, as far as I can tell, well, I don't know where John is, but I think all of our couples are together after uh, this morning because uh, in, our, in our life group this morning, the young, uh, the young families group, uh, we talked about just how hard it is truly to submit ourselves one to another, even in marriage. And how this is just really challenging at times because we think differently. And so I'm glad to see that most of our couples that were in there are sitting together this morning. And, uh, and the altar is open at the end if you just need to come and pray for your spouse. Um, but it, last week we said, you know, here's the difficulty that we have in submission. That there's three strikes against us before we even get up to the plate. Strike number one, we are human. In the fall, that is what we, when we look all the way back to Genesis, in the early chapters of Genesis, God prescribed a way of living. And he had really, in this living, great freedom and great liberty, and he made one restriction. He said, do not eat of this tree. So he's very generous. He's, he's really put, if you want to say, the odds are in our favor very, very much to succeed there. And yet, Satan comes along and tempts, hey, you know, God's holding out on you a little bit. And it stirred up a thought within Adam and Eve that maybe God's way was not always the best way. And from that moment on, when the, the taking of that fruit and, and sin entered the world, we, you and I have been born with this sin nature. And it has become part of our very, the very fiber of our being is that we grow up kind of centered on self, that we make much of ourselves and the way that we think. And so submission is really hard. So strike one. Strike two is that we as Americans, we love our freedom. We celebrate freedom. We will do freedom at almost any cost. And so all of a sudden, when we don't really put freedom and submission in the same sentence. We think one is the sellout of the other. And so it's really difficult for us as Americans just growing up in this culture of America to say, okay, let's submit. And then third strike. We live in 2019. And we live in a present culture that has probably glorified 
self more than any other, and that your opinion really counts. And we've given way to that through, you know, social media and different things like that. I'm not saying that social media is evil, but it certainly has given us a voice. And it's given a voice to anybody who wants to take that voice, whether you would agree with them or not. And so we live in a time where this whole thought process of submitting is really, really difficult. It goes against the grain. And so this morning, we're going to see that Peter doesn't come back and say, now I said all of that about submitting to authority and all that, but let me back off a little bit. No, actually, after he finishes with the verse, verses that we looked at last week, he kind of puts the, the, the foot to the, the, the pedal a little bit more, and he adds more gas. And in fact, he adds one more. If three strikes were not enough, he adds one more. And that is, he adds to this thing that even when you're being treated unjustly, unfairly, that we are to submit to those that are in authority. And I don't know if that's not the toughest one. See, part of this whole human brain synapse thing that happens, is that we kind of have a feeling of what is fair and not fair. Would you agree with that? That somewhere in your brain, and that doesn't mean that what you think is fair is what you think is fair, okay? And that's where the friction starts. Even in couples, there are times that a husband and wife may have different opinions of what is fair or what is not. But would you agree that somewhere in your mind that there's synapses that kind of go off that have given you a keen sense that, well, that's just not fair? That's what Peter deals with today. Now, when I say Peter, Peter's the one who's writing this. But it's inspired by God. And just as we've said other times, don't be mad at Paul for having Pauline theology. Don't be mad at Peter for saying this or John for saying this. This, if we truly believe what we say and what the Word of God says, this is an inspired Word of God. And he did use personalities and he did use these people to write it. And he didn't make them just robots where they were simply taking dictatorship. He used their life experiences, their talents, their failures. He used all of that to kind of give a personality to his Word. But at the end of the day, when, when he says, okay, submit to authority... This is God's word. This isn't Peter being a sellout to the Romans in his day and time. And so as we open up our Bibles and we get to a, a 1 Peter chapter 2, let's go back and kind of hook it in there to uh, verse 17 from last week. Remember, here's how he ended the first part. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Who's the brotherhood? It's the family of God. So other Christians, you, you love them. Show a special love. Uh, to them. Then he said, fear God. We're not told to fear anybody else except for God. We're told to honor these other people, but not to fear them. In fact, we're told just the opposite. Don't fear what man can do to you. Fear God, because God can, you know, your soul. Man can just deal with the body. And that would have been a reality for these people. Remember, many of these are being persecuted. Their lives and their families' lives are, are t- being taken, and they are being killed by either Claudius or Nero, whoever is the Roman leader at the time. We don't know exactly when this is written, so we don't know if it's Claudius, or we don't know if it's Nero, but we do know that both of those guys are mean guys. Both of them have no problem taking the lives of Christians and very much taking them and killing those if it pleases them. We know that they have spread rumors. One of the rumors that they spread about Christians to turn the rest of the Romans against Christians is that they were cannibals. You know why they said that? Because they took the Lord's Supper. They said, man, they eat the body. 
and they drink blood. Uh, we realized that was symbolic. We realized that that's what God commanded us to do, to take that which was symbolic of the body of Christ, broken before us. We realized that the blood was symbolic of the blood of Christ. That was, But the Romans took that, and the leaders said, let's kind of turn the Roman people against these people. They're cannibals, and they'll eat you. You better lock your doors at night. They'll come get your children. So this is the era, and yet look what he says. Fear God, honor the emperor. And when we left last week, we, we kind of posed this question. That all of us have emperors in our life. Could be the person that you work for. Could be other authorities in your life. Every one of us have some type of an emperor in our life. It was kind of surprising because I actually got three responses back this week from people in our congregation that were here last week and said, man, I really needed that because I'm dealing with this at work. And you took it in a very real practical way. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for, number one, hearing the word of God and then applying the word of God to your life. But three different people. And and sometimes, you know, I'll get one or two or three responses, but, but it was really kind of resounding this week that that really kind of hit a nerve that we are to honor those that are in authority over us, even when things aren't fair. Because that's what he adds here. Look at verse 18 and 19. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Do you see the add-on that Peter puts there onto what he's already written about? being subject to authority, he adds on that even if they are unjust, he really didn't bring injustice up before, but now he brings it up. Now, now let me go ahead and address what many people say, okay, what, what does he mean by servants and masters? Let me keep it in context. In the Roman world, there was slavery. And there was indentured slavery. There was all forms of slavery. Uh, The Bible does not endorse slavery. This is not a commandment on an issue of slavery, folks. This is a commandment and a commentary on the issue of submission. Peter uses this because it was part of the culture that day. And one of the things that sometimes in this world that we live in, in the day that we live in, we're very sensitive to anything that would talk of slavery. We would be very sensitive to anything that in any way would give credence to that and, and I want you to, to understand that Peter's not trying to make a commentary that slavery is okay. This is not the subject that he's addressing. What he is addressing is that actually a whole bunch of people that were involved in slavery, that they were as servants to, to masters, were now part of the church. See, everywhere we look in the Word of God, you know, people will say, well, you know, Jesus, I just don't think he liked women. He did more to raise the standard of women in that culture in that day than anybody before. When we look at the issue of slavery, there's, well, you know, I think the Bible, it must, it must really endorse slavery because it talks about slaves and masters. No, it's not endorsing it. It was treating the cultural uh, standards of the day, and, and it makes comments. And here, if we're really honest, even though we realize that this is a very sensitive subject to us, that we want to be so far on the side of loving others and honoring others that we don't even like to hear that word slavery or master. Please, I I beg of you, call me this week. We'll talk about it. In no way are we excusing, endorsing in any way the standards of the day. But trust me, I don't believe that Peter was either. 
This is not a commentary that he's making on slavery. It's a commentary on submission. And when we understand that, it really does take on a pretty deep meaning. Because within their congregation, just as you have assembled together today, there were people there that were slaves. There were people that really were the slaves of somebody else, and and that was kind of where society had them at that time in that culture. That speaks highly to me of the Christian faith. Because everywhere we see when it comes to this identity that people have, the Bible always puts us back to our identity in Jesus Christ. Remember what Paul says? He says, no longer slave or free, no longer, you know, the rich and the poor, no longer male, female, no longer black and white, no longer any of these things. Now your identity is in Jesus Christ. This is the heartbeat of the message of the gospel. So so I hope that covers it. I would be glad, I would be thrilled to talk with you this week. If you're going, you know, Bobby, I just don't understand that. Why is he even talking about slavery? What's there? Does the Bible endorse that anyway? I'd love to kind of take you through step by step in, in my little feeble way to say that I don't think that's the issue at all here. But I want to address it. A lot of people just go right on and, you know, that's one of the things about doing expository preaching, guys. We're going to preach the next verse. And sometimes the next verse has a subject in there that we're going, man, that's just kind of a hot subject. It's a touchy thing. No, we're going to preach the Word of God because the Word of God is not offensive to us. It's an instruction to us. So I pray that this is not offensive to you. I pray that this very morning that you can see that he has a commentary here on the issue of submission. And so in that light, what does he say? Verse 19 again. He says, okay, I want you to submit servants. I want you to submit to to your masters, even when they're unjust. He says, for this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows and suffering unjustly. He gives us the answer right almost from the beginning. Guys, how do you do this? How do you go through life and you don't cry out, unfair, unfair? How do you really submit to authority even when they're unjust and it is unfair? You have to have the mind of God. Now, in one way, that really sounds kind of simple. But when was the last time that you really thought that your line, your, your logic, your thought process was on the same linear level of God's? That everything that God believed, you believed. That everything that God said, you just said, man, that's no problem. I think exactly like God. No, the Bible tells us he thinks differently than us. His ways are not our ways. His ways are high, and our ways are not high. And yet there's an invitation here that because of the gospel, and get this, guys, because of the filling of the Spirit, of God's Spirit in our life, we are enabled to think like God. That is not blasphemy. Because of the truth of God's Word. I mean, we're going to get to that passage in a little bit. That's why Paul could say, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're not God, but can I have some godly thoughts? Because he's trained? Yeah. I I promise you, some of you that have been Christians for 10, 15 years, I would hope that in your maturity as a Christian, that you would be thinking more like God on some matters in your life today than you were 10, 15 years ago. Maybe the, the subject of forgiveness. We always bring that up because that's one of the hardest ones. That maybe really 10, 15 years ago, you know, I go, man, I'm not forgiving that person. They hurt me so deeply and so desperately. 
And now because you realize the grace that God has given you and you begin to study God's Word and He says, as you've been forgiven, that's how we forgive. And now all of a sudden, because you really understand the grace and mercy that God has given you and the forgiveness that Christ has given you, that all of a sudden you found out that you have not only a more forgiving heart, but you actually think in the process of forgiving more. That's what he's doing here. He said that we can have uh, the mind of God. We can begin to think like God. And, and yet one of the things that we know is that our form of justice and God's form of justice is two different things. Would you agree with that this morning? That things that, that you want justice... How many of you are the type of people that you're persuaded to want justice more immediately than what God wants justice? And when we come across verses that say, you know, say vengeance for me, you know, I, I will, you know, you, you don't show vengeance... Uh, just leave that to me, that sometimes we don't like that because God's not going to do it in the way that we would want. I mean, let's just admit that there's that part of us that especially if we have been offended, if we have somebody who's treated us unjustly, we want them to be dealt with by God. I mean, I don't know that any of you have ever prayed for, prayed for a, a lightning bolt to come down on somebody, but I think you've thought it before. You may not have prayed because you just know that God wouldn't honor that. You know, that God isn't kind of likely to, to, to really honor your prayer that a lightning bolt would come from heaven and strike somebody. But I guarantee you, we've thought that before. And what God is trying to hear and what Peter's doing through this word, he says, look, I, I want to take that part of you that thinks that way and you want justice, but it's your own form of justice and you want it in your timing. I, I want to take that away and I want you to trust God in the big picture. Really, really, really hard. See, here's what happens when logical things don't happen in our mind. Alarms go off. Look at, look at verse 20. He said, What credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? In other words, you do this wrong thing and you actually get a punishment that is according to that. What have you done? That makes logic sense in your mind. The synapses kind of come together and it just forms. Okay, I did the crime. I do the time. He said, you know, that's a normal way of thinking. But look at the last part of that verse. But if you do good and suffer for it and adore, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. When the logic doesn't, I mean, if if I didn't study for a test growing up, and I take a test, and, and I get a 68 on that test, I don't know, I don't know, I don't remember a whole bunch when I was 11, 12, and 13 and, and that specific thing. But I don't know that I would have really thought, well, that was unjust. Now, if we were tested over material that we never were told to cover, have you ever been in that? That you actually thought you were in the wrong room? That, that happened one time in college. I'm sitting down, I'm going, there's a familiar people, familiar face of the professor, and I'm going, but this is not familiar. And I, you know, one of the things that just kind of came out was, this is not fair. You're not allowed to test me over something you didn't give me, the kind of the materials to say, cover these things. If I would have failed because I didn't study, that makes sense. You can get mad, but it makes sense, even in our own form of justice. But if you fail me because you gave a test over something we didn't cover and you never even told me about it, what goes off here? An alarm that says, this is unfair. This is not right. 
And every one of us have that alarm in our head. Things either line up, we go fair, or they don't line up, we go unfair. And and what Peter's pointing out here is that there's going to be times that things are not going to line up in life. My wife and I, one of the things that, uh, you know, she's just parented different than me. We actually talked about it in, in, in life group this morning. You know, how, you know, she's gracious and she's kind and she's loving. And I'm, the book says... And I'm kind of more from that, that school. And so we have these two girls growing up. And, and there was a part of me that wanted to prepare them that life was unfair. How many of you want to prepare your kids that life is unfair? Yeah. And that's a reality. You know, it's something like, okay, you know, I want to be gracious here. I want to be kind. But, you know, the world is not kind. And we've got to prepare them for real life. Neither one of us are right or wrong there. There's a reality that she wants to teach them grace and dealing with grace. And there's a reality in this daddy's heart that says, okay, but life is tough, and I want them to make sure that they can bounce back. There's not so much of rightness and wrongness, just two different approaches. But here, when we get to God's Word, we begin to see that He's calling us to have this attitude of submission even when things aren't fair. I mean, it would be really easy with the four of you just sitting here in the front. It'd be really easy to say, okay, this past week, did your parents ask you to do something that was totally unfair? In the last month, in the last year, have you ever felt in your mind that the alarm went off, unfair, unfair, and yet they're your authority, right? I mean, everybody else gets to go to the party. Everybody else gets to do this, but your parents said no, and it's like unfair because it doesn't line up. It'd be one thing if, you know, let's say that you... This would never happen to you, so I can use you as an example, Drew. But you failed like five tests that week. And, and, and so your mom and your dad said, Drew, you're not going to this event on Saturday but, you know, because you've got to stay home and study. And there would be a part in your, even though you wouldn't like that, Drew, there would be a part of your mind that would say, that makes sense. I didn't study before. I haven't done my homework. I haven't done those things. I failed the test. And even though you wouldn't like it, it would make logical sense that justice was done. But here's the thing, guys. There's going to be times in your lives, there's going to be time in all of our lives that it's unjust. And a bad thing happens to a good person, or this happens, or that happens, and we're going, wait, 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 wait. That did not line up in my head, and that alarm goes off. That's what Peter's talking about. He said, look, in in the Christian sense, even when those in authority do not treat you justly, you submit to that authority. That's a really hard word, guys. I mean, it was bad enough that we were human. Remember our three strikes? That we were human? That we're Americans and we love our freedom? We don't like to be told what to do? We live in 2019 where everybody's supposed to be able to freely express whatever they want to express? But man, now you're going to throw in justice that we're to be submitting to authority even when it's unjust. And that's exactly what Peter, let's remember, what God is calling us to do. That's a hard word, church. And I promise you it was a hard word then. Don't think that just because we have those three strikes against us. Remember, let's go back to the context. He was talking to those that were involved in slavery and they had masters. And he said some masters, because there was a variety back in those days in the Roman world, some of those uh, masters treated their, their servants as family members. 
and others treated them inhumanely and cruelly. And yet he didn't say, okay, only the ones that are being treated like family members, you submit to the authority over you. He said, no, even when they do injustice to you, you submit to authority. That's a hard word, church. That fights against almost everything that goes on up here when our brain says unfair. Now, why would God do this? Because he wants us to be a bunch of patsies. He just wants us to go around and be taken advantage of. Christians are nothing but doormats to be walked over. No, he tells us in the word. Because this is what Christ did. And you're following the example of Christ. Verse 21. For to this you have been called. You're called to this. Because Christ also suffered for you, having, uh, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. This is really, really important. Please don't turn off yet. Peter is not using this terminology, example of Christ, as a model, even though it is. We are to follow his steps. We are, I don't really like the phrase that much, but what would Jesus do? It, 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 I, I, I like that, but you know me, I just don't like bumper sticker theology. I think it goes deeper than that. So that's not, if you got on a WWJD this morning, I'm not offended by that whatsoever, okay? But it just goes deeper. It goes more than just that. He's not just saying, okay, what would Jesus do? Let's do the exact. It is that model, but it goes deeper. What, what he's demonstrating here is that we are marred in our thinking and Christ thought correctly and yet he submitted to authority. You and I, when we stand against those things that are unfair and unjust, why do we do it? Because it just doesn't line up and we think, I'm being taken advantage of. This isn't right. And yet Christ submitted himself to death and even death on the cross because he knew that the eventual outcome is that it would buy our salvation. See the difference there? It's not just a model. Okay, go out there and be nice to people. Be a doormat. He's not calling you to be a doormat. He's calling you to be a thinker. He's calling you to, but he's calling you to stand on the gospel in this great example of Jesus Christ. That's why we can come to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And when Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, he is saying there in that verse. Can we put that, that verse up this morning? Have this mind, have this way of thinking among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I, that's actually my preferred version. Yours might say that was like Christ, the same attitude of Christ. And, and I like this one because it shows us not only that we should have an attitude like Christ, but it shows us that because of Christ, we have the ability to have this attitude. I promise you, you are some really good people here this morning, but you're not that good to do this on your own. You may be good enough to submit to your authority when you know that you could get fired if you don't. That's called self-preservation. That is not called, that is not called you know, some great blessing. You may be able to do it because you think, okay, this is really kind and generous and nice, and so I'm just going to submit to authority, even when it's unjust, because I just want to be a really good example. You might even do that in some cases, but I promise you there are so many injustices in, that could come your way that you're not that good. 
Those synapses, those alarms are going to go off in your brain and eventually you're going to go, enough is enough. Or test it this way. Let that injustice come to your child. And you're talking about mama bears and daddy bears coming out. Seriously, guys. An injustice that you could take yourself and you say, okay, just put it on the shoulder. They do that to your child and all of a sudden you're going to see some very fierce people. You can't do this. I can't do this. But through Christ we can. And this is the hard part of faith. Because all of a sudden we start using words like that, and that's the truth. And yet, what does it really mean that Christ is going to enable you to do that? What does it really mean to live under the power of the Holy Spirit, of God filling your life with His Spirit so that you think and act differently? And that's where it gets, I mean, for some people, you're going, man, that's kind of the mystical side of Christianity. And you know what I would say to that? I agree 100%. There's a part of Christianity, and please don't use the, uh, infer that I'm using the word mystical in either any kind of Eastern mysticism or anything like that. I'm talking about it's a mystical kind of thing in that what does it really mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? I don't know that I can put that in, in really quantitative words. All I know is that there's days that I don't feel like doing this, and I'll read God's word, I'll pray to him, I say, God, will you just lead me? And all of a sudden, my mind has been transformed in the way I'm thinking, not because of all of a sudden Bobby just became a better person, but because the very spirit of God showed me the grace and the mercy that he showed me. He kind of challenged me to think and, and to live differently. This is the transformation of the New Testament. And so let's look at those last verses and we'll close. We have this example of Christ. And Paul in Philippians 2 goes into explicit detail of how deep that is. What it really truly means to have this mind of Christ. And then we come, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. That's where Peter goes. He doesn't just say, hey, be like Jesus. He begins to describe what he's talking about. Verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Pastor, how do we do this? Verse 23 kind of tells us. Entrusting himself to him who judges what? Justly. At the end of the day, guys, that's when it's going to come down to. Do I trust God's judgment? Do I trust God's timetable? Do I trust the way that God's going to handle these things? Or do I pray for that lightning bolt? Do I pray for God to become more like me? Or do I pray that I become more like God? Do I trust God? But specifically, do I trust his sense of judgment? That's a very relevant question, Christian in a world is full with unfairness. 
And ultimately, that will be the testimony of the actions you take. Either you're going to follow the synapse that kind of happens unguarded by the, uh, unguided by the word of God, and when something is really offensive to you, when something cries out unfair, you're going to act upon that in some response, or by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, by, you're going to be able to say, you know, Christ, everything that happened to him was unfair, and yet willingly, as it says in Philippians 2, he emptied himself to death, even death on the cross. That's our calling. It's not how you become a Christian, No, through the grace and the finished work of Christ, when you become a Christian, this is your calling now as a Christian. So this morning, let's end on these words. Verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. That's what you've been called to, church. Tough call, really tough calling, an impossible calling without the provision of God's spirit to aid us, guide us, and direct our thinking. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and Father, uh, transform living and transform uh, life. Father, is really difficult at times. Father, sometimes we read in your word that we're to love our neighbor, and, and Father, even in our own minds, that lines up. It kind of follows our logic that we should just be friendly people. And and yet, Father, then we come across your word and sometimes it asks us to do something like to submit. And, Father, it goes against the grain. And then, Father, you ask us to submit to even those things sometimes that are unjust and are not right and not fair. And so, Father, I I pray that you'd give us understanding. But more than that, Father, uh, or along with that understanding, Father, I pray that this morning you would fill us with your spirit. For, Father, this is an impossible task to accomplish. Father, this is an impossible thing to even have this mind of your son unless you fill us with your spirit. Father, unless you guide us by the truth of your word. So, Father, we come back to that which we know to be true. You are the one and only God. You created us in love and yet we rebelled against you. And in that rebellion, Father, you could have easily just left us. And yet, Father, you sent a rescuer. You sent one, your very son, to die in our place, to take on all of our sins and to clothe us in all of his righteousness. Father, help us to have this mind of Christ. Even this week, when unjust, unfair, things that just don't really add up in our own mind. Father, help us to trust your judgment, your timing, your day. We love you, Father. And we thank you that you have had this high calling on our lives. As hard as it is, we thank you that you uh, would equip us to live this way. Help us to be gracious people, even this week, as we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.